This morning I want to uh, just introduce to you, and uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, <coughs> Jackie and Lloyd, they're just part of the church family, uh, and Jackie's going to be taking us further in our series on the book of James, which I think is just such an exciting uh story to be learning and embracing and so can't wait to hear what uh, Jackie has prepared Vaughan was taking us through so Jackie the Lord bless you let's just uh, yeah let's just open our hearts let's take a moment Lord we were reminded last week not just to look at your word and walk away like a glance in the mirror and then nothing gets done and so, Father, we pray that as Jackie takes us through more of what it means to put our faith into action, that you would speak. Thank you for her. We rejoice to hear what you've put on her heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Craig. Um, so, yes, I'm Jackie, and Lloyd, he's going to be doing the reading for me. Um, this morning and yeah good morning to my explore family i want to um, give particular welcome to um lloyd's dad and his wife christine who were sitting with us at the back they've um traveled from kzn to be with us and we haven't actually seen them in two and a half years so it's very exciting that they're with us and <laughs> lloyd's dad john is actually he was a, a methodist minister for many years and also worked as a missionary for Africa Enterprise so, and a very seasoned preacher. So it's quite, um, yeah, quite special that he's here today. Um, so yeah, let me ask Lloyd to come and, and share the, the reading with us. Hi, good morning. The reading, unsurprisingly, is from James. Um, James 2 verses 1 to 13, and it's from the NIV. Put my glasses on. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing the fine clothes and say, here is a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom? He promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking it all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become 
a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So, yes, James always sort of leaves us a bit speechless, right? It's quite heavy words. But let's, let's dive in and we see, we'll find the goodness of God in this passage. So right in the middle of the passage, we, we hear James declare this thing, do, to, what, how we should, sorry, let me start again. We, we hear James declare that to do right, we need to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. This is the royal law, he calls it. And, and in this, we hear echoes of Jesus's words and also echoes of the Torah. And I imagine those who received this letter and read it would have heard it too. So let's just go back in time a bit. In Leviticus 19, we read, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against any of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And later in the same chapter, in verse 33, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not ill-treat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourself, for you were once foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Now, God is speaking these words as he's trying to form a community of people, people who had been living as slaves in an empire that had only seen them as tools, really, not as humans. And so part of reclaiming their humanity was to learn to live in a way that and to live in relationships that are defined by love and not extraction or fear love the lord sorry love yourself oh my brain is tired and i'm nervous lord help me okay um love your neighbor as yourself that's what we're on, on about okay so we know god's purposes for israel was for them to be a community that received God's love and then reflected it to all the nations so that everyone could be part of God's love. And Jesus came to fulfill this. And he lived out this royal law as, as James taught. And he spoke about it too. In Matthew 22, one of the experts of the law, if we pick up in verse 35, they said to him, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love your Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is the second greatest commandment. And Jesus lived this in such a way that it actually offended people. I mean, if you think about that, loving so much that you offend the religious people of your time. Because his love just pushed beyond all the socially defined barriers of who was in and who was out, of whose lifestyle pleased God and whose didn't, of who was a sinner and who, of who was righteous, of who was inferior and who was superior, of who had value and who didn't have that much value. So James's words in this passage aren't just a nice idea but they actually deeply resonate with this expansive purpose of God that we've seen from the beginning as he formed his community of Israel, then made whole in Jesus, 
and now a calling and a mandate to us as his church to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And God's not just trying to do this because he's wanting to make more rules for us. But he's, he knows that to build a community that is so loving that the world around can receive God's love through it. This is the only way, through loving each other as we love ourselves. And in that way, Jesus can restore his broken world through the church. So James takes this lofty, beautiful idea and then roots it down in real life with real messy people. You can see his logic goes, so Jesus followers love each other as themselves. Therefore, we can't have favoritism in Jesus's kingdom. That's not what Jesus's followers do. In fact, he, he's quite harsh in his words. He says it goes against God, that it's evil, that it's sin to have favoritism. And in case we're unsure about what favoritism looks like, James is really helpful. He gives us a, a real life example of two people who arrive at church and how they are treated differently because they are treated according to how the world sees them. Indeed, we know the world does have a way of valuing people, but this doesn't work in Jesus's kingdom. And yet becoming a Jesus follower doesn't automatically erase our beliefs or biases about who's important. James actually had to make it quite explicit to the church of his time. And I know for myself that I've had to intentionally unlearn these beliefs too. I confess that I had bought into lies about who had more to offer in church or who was more important, who's a leader in the church context. I remember my previous church, which was based in a township not far from here. I got to know a young man. I first met him when I watched him being a youth leader, he was one of those people who was able to energetically lead a session from the front, but later carefully and kindly draw along those who are a bit shy and sitting on the margins. Just a person of love and integrity. And chatting to him one day, I was quite shocked when I learned that what he did during the day was be a car guard. It's almost like my brain couldn't compute. I was like, I was like, this leader being a car guard. <laughs> um, and I realized that there was something that I'd bought into. Um, the way I'd seen car guards was really one dimensional, as if that's all they did. And I hadn't allowed myself to, to see them as people with skills, with giftings, and a perspective that could teach me something. A couple of years later, um, now this young man was a good friend of mine, and he was actually acting in our church play um, it was the prodigal son and he was acting as the waiting father and I still get Holy Spirit goosebumps to this day when I picture him because he, he was awesome he was like running down the sort of middle part of our church towards the returning son um, and the way he captured fa the father's love in that moment I, I've never come across that in any sermon or any amazing book um, written by the best theologians he was just able to yeah, to give bodily expression to the father's love and knowing his own challenges and the poverty that he's faced he faced seeing him give this expression to God's love just blew my mind and to think I would have written him off told him to sit at the back to quote James if I'd let the world's value of him being just a car guard define how I saw him so James really drives this point home in case anyone was still not sure 
he explains that those that we consider not enough are not only able to receive God, but be rich in faith. So, welcome the poor, says James. Welcome all who are seen as not good enough. They can teach us something of God, something that we actually cannot receive without them. So let's just pause here for a moment. And let's just give Holy Spirit a chance to, to check in with our hearts. Where have I, where have you been seeing someone through the eyes of the world? It may be someone here at PBC or someone in your everyday interactions. And I'm just going to be quiet for about 30 seconds and let Holy Spirit speak to you about that. So staying with the same example that James has given us, I want us to shift perspective now. Two weeks ago when Craig was giving us the introduction to the book of James, he told us that actually the majority of the readers of, of James's letter would have been poor, slaves, servants, other people on the margins of society. And Craig cautioned us against this thing called Disney theology, which what I've come to understand, and Craig, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that Often we as middle class or privileged people, we put ourselves in the center of the biblical story as if it's been written to people like us. Um, and in reality, many of us who live in Pinelands aren't, the, aren't in the same social position as those to whom James would have written his letter. In fact, Craig pointed out that in today's context, James was more likely writing to those in Kailicha than to those in Pinelands. So how do we approach the text then? Well, let's return to James's example and now actually see the person who's doing the welcoming in the story as someone who is herself poor, as someone who doesn't deem herself worthy. And so as she welcomes a wealthy man into the church gathering, she sees him as someone who's better than her. She's not actually loving herself. She's not actually loving him as she's loving herself. She is loving him more than she's loving herself. And when someone who's poor arrives, she shows him to the margins of, of the gathering, treating him as she'd actually treat herself, a fellow poor person. And James is saying, no, we need to rethink this. Being poor isn't being less. Look at how God is working profoundly amongst those who are poor. And being rich or wealthy isn't being more. He points out, look how the rich are actually exploiting others and blaspheming. James is making it very clear that in Jesus' kingdom, we are all equal. So I've been doing this thought experiment of, of what it would be like if I were to eavesdrop on James encouraging someone who the world sees as less valuable, yeah, how it would look like if James was, was encouraging them with this message. And now I'd like to invite you to enjoy, to join me in doing an imaginative prayer. So again, we're gonna, turn our attention to Holy Spirit in our own spirits, in our own being, speaking to us. And first of all, I'm going to ask Holy Spirit, 
to bring to your mind somebody who's on the margins of society that you know. Somebody who's poor, somebody who's not seen as valuable by the world, someone who's often overlooked, and someone that you interact with. So if you can just take a moment to try and think of a real life human being. Someone maybe you've greeted, maybe it's the person who digs through your garbage, or someone that you see regularly on the corner of a street asking for food. Or maybe it's someone who you've actually had more interactions with than that. Maybe you've shared something with them or someone that you know quite well. But someone who is really not seen as valuable by society. And take a moment now to really picture this person. Remind yourself of everything that you know about them. What they do, what they look like. I'm really hoping that most of you now have a mental image of somebody that you know. Now I want you, and Holy Spirit is guiding our imagination, so don't, yeah, don't feel like you have to make this happen, but just, just be open to what the Spirit is showing. Now I want, to pick, I want to ask you to picture Jesus coming to you and taking your hand, and he's smiling, and he's warm towards you, and he says, come, I want you to come visit a friend with me. And so you're walking now towards this person that you were picturing earlier. Jesus goes ahead and sits down next to this person. And you stand back a bit, just giving Jesus some space. Jesus is so full of love. And he looks to this person that you've pictured, your friend or the person that you know. And you're watching. And Jesus makes sure you can hear because he wants you to hear these words as well. Even though he's speaking it to, the, to this person. Jesus says, my brother or my sister, and he's speaking to this person, remember, I love you. You are valuable to me, and I want you to know that I don't want you to show favoritism. Why do you show special attention to the one who wears the suit or the one in the car or the one with the university degree? Are you not then making yourself judge? Are you not discriminating amongst yourselves? Remember, have I not chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world like you to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom I promised to those who love me? And don't you know that when you dishonor the poor, you are dishonoring yourself? And why assume the rich person is better than you? Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? My invitation to you is to love your neighbor as yourself. Can you see how this person that you've held in your imagination reacts to Jesus' words? And then Jesus turns to you. And just ask Holy Spirit to, to show you what Jesus is inviting you to do. What is Jesus saying to you? In my contemplation on this passage, I was reminded of a time when a friend of me, a friend of mine from also from my previous church, invited me to attend a dinner with her. It was a dinner with some funders. A secular group, it wasn't a Christian group, of fairly wealthy people who would meet together regularly and then combine their wealth to do charity. And my friend had been sponsored by them to study auxiliary social work. 
She was actually involved in our church's outreach ministry. Um, she ran a, a HIV support group for, for women, and she also used to do home visits and providing psychosocial support to those infected and, and affected by HIV AIDS. And she was brilliant. I mean, her ministry had such an impact on the women, um, just transforming people from despair to hope. And I was often left just in wonder of how God, God would work through her. Anyway, so she asked me, uh, my role in the situation was I was sort of supporting and mentoring her. So she'd asked me to, to join her for this dinner where she was required to actually stand up and give a report on, on how she'd used their sponsorship. So we arrived at this quite fancy venue and I, I just watched as we walked inside, my friend just kind of shrink down into herself. Now, she was, she was this, usually this bold and clever and problem-solving and humorous woman, but she all of a sudden was becoming one-dimensional and small as we were walking into the space. I was curious, but I didn't actually say anything. I just sort of watched. Then we were greeted by the couple who had actually recommended her for sponsorship. And, and it turns out that she used to work for them for many years as their domestic worker. Now, they were kind-hearted. And they were glad that she'd received the funding. But I could tell from the way they spoke to her and the body language that they actually still viewed her as someone who cleaned their home. And they even called her by her English name, which was really weird to me because everyone who knew her called her by her Isikosa name. And everything about the space, the, the wealthy, confident people who were usually the employers of people like my friend, just squished her back into this one role, the domestic worker. And since no one really, since no one usually stands around having cocktail drinks and making small talk with their domestic worker, you could see that nobody was really sure how to engage with my friend, even though they were actually glad that she was there and that they had sponsored her. Eventually we were led to our seats and the formalities began, and then it came to our presentation. And she'd asked me to share first about our organization and her role in it. Um, and then she would come and share about her learnings. And as I, was, as I was explaining about the many responsibilities that she was carrying in her role, I could see people's minds clicking. Like the same way that mine did back with the story <laughs> with the, of the car guard friend. You know, they, their minds were flicking between just a domestic worker and leader and change maker. As she took the microphone, I just breathe, breathed a prayer of courage for her. And she started off very nervously. But then it seemed as though the Holy Spirit was whispering to her, why are you giving the rich special treatment? Don't you know I made you and you're valuable? And then she started speaking with boldness and vibrancy and started telling these moving and inspiring stories. And that fire of passion that I knew was back in her. And, and at the end, the applause was astounding. People in the room were being freed from the lies of discrimination. And everyone in the room was now embracing the fullness of her humanity. And in so doing, they were embracing their own humanity. Now, this story was set in a gathering of secular people who were trying to do good out of their superiority. And so a huge amount of Holy Spirit power was needed to overcome the, the subconscious biases. And I share this story not as a judgment of them, um, because, yeah, I, I rather I share this story because I want us to see clearly how discrimination robs us and robs people. 
And I believe that Jesus and James want to emphasize this law of love your neighbor as yourself. The law that James says is, is one that gives freedom. Because Jesus follows me to be set free from this very human and, and almost automatic default to discriminate. Jesus is building a community that is defined by loving each other. And so there's no place for these type of biases. When we subconsciously discriminate against each other, our own community here diminishes in richness. Each person, each image bearer of God brings a unique perspective of God. And we lose this richness and this fullness if we, if we are, to quote James, polluted by the world and show favoritism. I'm reminded about the diversity conversations that we held here at PBC a few years ago where we made time to listen and learn from the life stories of the various people of color in our community. Some shared how they felt as if there was an unspoken culture in our church community that communicated to them that they were required to leave part of themselves at the door in order to feel fully welcomed into our family. These were hard things to hear, but we needed to hear them so that we could start making space for each other. And we have moved on from there and we've learned a lot, but I want us to remember this. And I want to remind us of this because we still live in a world that values white as better and black as less. And there is this constant pull to expect people of color to assimilate into our white or Western ways of doing things. So those of us who are white, we need to remember that we are not the storm, we are not the norm or the standard even though the world will constantly want to tell us this we actually can be set free to know that we are an important but only one part of the glorious diversity that God has made and those in our church community that identify as black and colored need to hear James's call that they do not need to give any special treatment to white people and that they are called to step into the fullness of who they are and to bring all of themselves into our family, leaving nothing at the door. In a similar way, though not exactly the same, I've had to be on a healing journey too around being a woman and not letting the lies of patriarchy tell me to stand at the back or that I should give special treatment to men, but rather to love men as I love myself, which has meant learning to see God's worth, the, God, the worth that God has placed in me. And I'm sure many of the women listening here today are on a similar journey. And I encourage you to receive James's words of freedom for yourself. James is calling each one of us here to step fully into this church family, bringing our whole selves whilst fully making space for every other person here and honoring every other person's whole selves too. Now there's more to this passage and I don't have time to unpack it right now because I want to stick with these truths that I've been focusing on and allowing them to penetrate past just the knowing part of ourselves and into our being and into our doing. And as Craig prayed and as Vaughan taught us last week, that this law that brings freedom 
is one that God, James is calling us not to just look into, but actually to see it and to do it. Jesus' purpose for us is to be set free, to be free to love each other as we love ourselves. So once again, we're going to ask Holy Spirit to minister to us. To close your eyes and we're just going to end in a time of prayer and response. Maybe today Holy Spirit has shown you that you have been showing favoritism. How you need to set, how you need to be set free from the world's ways of seeing the other children of God. Jesus, we know living in our world, we cannot help but see like the world sees until you give us a new way of seeing. Holy Spirit, will you take the old glasses from me now and give me a new set of glasses, glasses from your kingdom, so that I can see people like you do. Maybe today Holy Spirit has shown you that you've not been loving yourself. You have believed you have believed lies that you're not as valuable or not as whatever fill in the blanks. You have found yourself giving special treatment to those that the world sees as more important as you. Jesus, thank you that each one of us that I am valuable. Thank you that each one of us here is your beloved child. Thank you that each one of us here is your workmanship. We've been created in you, Jesus. We are your image bearers. We are daughters and sons of the King. And you have prepared good works for us in advance. Set us free from every way that other humans would determine our worth. And lastly, Holy Spirit, where you have spoken to us throughout this sermon, maybe earlier in the imaginative prayer or in the contemplation, just remind us what it is that you've spoken to us so that as we move on from here, it's not just forgotten. Give it to us as a, as a gift in our hearts, that a seed sown that can grow and bring a fruit of love a harvest of love in our lives. And Jesus, I bless Explore Community to be a community of love where we are defined and known as people who love ourselves, love our neighbors as ourselves. And that your love would be something that flows out of us into our surrounding neighborhood. Literally in Pinelands and in our city. I pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you. Lindsay. <laughs> Thank you, Jackie, for sharing with us today and for challenging us 
from God's Word. And I know that we often need opportunities and are looking for opportunities to respond to a message of challenge that has been shared with us um, in ways that are appropriate. And I know that um, often it means that we come for times of ministry. But maybe, um, just as we draw our service to a close, and as Jackie has already led us through her closing of a very challenging message, um, causing us to reflect, um, I think we need to be reminded that James tells us that we are not just called to be hearers of God's word, but that we have to be doers of God's word. And so as I maybe close and challenge us to, um, to respond, not so much now as we often do within a service, but, to, but to, chal to, to challenge us to respond during the course of this week um, as we might be confronted with, with opportunities. So we have been challenged, I believe, on the basis of God's word today to, to rethink. And so let me share what, I, what I've written down as, I think, some of the gems that Jackie has shared with us today on the basis of God's word so that we might be able to respond appropriately in the course of this week, but also as we seek to continue to walk as God's people. Jackie shared, and this might not exactly be her words, but this is how I received it. Jesus' love goes beyond social norms. Jesus desires to restore this broken world through His church. Those we often deem not good enough can often be rich in faith. When we embrace the full humanity of others, we are able to find our own full humanity. How do we, maybe, discriminate in ways that make us guilty of breaking God's royal law? Let us pray. Gracious God, we want to thank you for your word that has been shared with us today. We thank you for the power of your written word and for the affirmation of that power through your spoken word. And so we want to pray, dear Father, that as your word has been proclaimed today and as we open up ourselves and submit ourselves to the authority of your word, we pray that your spirit might convict might bring about the change, the transformation within our lives, and that we might live as the image, as the reflection of Jesus within our society. And so we want to thank you for this opportunity that you have granted us to listen to your word. Help us now, dear Lord, during the course of this week to respond to your word as we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.